The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Lily Womble. Lily is a dating coach living in Brooklyn. In her first serious adult relationship, Lily found herself constantly lowering her expectations of what she wanted while being a positive force for other women's dating lives as a matchmaker. Eventually, she changed her dating mindset and found love while finding a new way to help others find love too. Hey, Lily, how's it going? Going great, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this and yeah, connecting over over the internet and sharing about your life. As one does, I, I yeah, say. Yeah, this is yes. the world we live in now <laughs> yeah. where everyone's doing this all the time. Um, yeah, what, what did you want to talk about today? So I wanted to talk about the relationship before the relationship that I'm currently in. The one I'm in is awesome. Uh, right now, he's my life partner. He's amazing. And the guy before him was the worst relationship of my life. And I ended up... <laughs> I ended up learning a lot and uh, actually was a matchmaker at the time that I had that toxic relationship. So we're going to talk about all those things. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, where does it all start? It all starts, I was living, I had just moved to New York from San Francisco. I'm originally from Alabama. And I was living on 40th between 9th and 10th in a church. (laughs) And I had a bunch of side jobs. I was working to I started my career in the nonprofit industry, um, working for, you know, the well-being of women and girls and then burnt out real quick in in the nonprofit land, moved to New York to because I wanted to be an actress. This is already a winding road. Okay, so I moved to New York. I needed a side job and I needed a place to live. And I grew up in the like I grew up Baptist in Alabama. So I had all these church connections. I found myself living and working for my rent in this church. Shout out Metro Baptist on 40th. So it was an operating church. In my head, it was like this was like an old church that now was like apartments. It was a real church. I lived in a room next to other rooms beside my coworkers. (laughs) So we worked in exchange for our rent. They still are around. They have a rooftop farm. It's really cool. But I was like in this church, like living my life, was a preschool teacher. I made balloon hats at Senor Frogs in Times Square. And I lived at this church. Okay, so we're painting the picture. So um, (laughs) I had been single since I was 17. Um, And I really was in love with my high school boyfriend. I thought I was going to marry him. Um, And I grew up in this Baptist tradition, like thinking that I would wait till marriage to have sex. And so I I ended up like in my early 20s, a virgin living at this church. And I didn't want to be living at the church. And I also didn't want to be a virgin anymore. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) I um, so a lot of things happened. I was searching for I was like searching for somebody. I was like on Bumble and Tinder and Hinge and didn't really know what I was doing. I was just swiping to swipe. And I had gone on a couple of dates. Um, I went on one date with and, and, and I always fancied myself as somebody who wanted to be in a relationship before I had had sex. So we're living in the church. We're looking for love in, in seemingly all the wrong places because I ended up on a date with this guy who 
took me on a very nice afternoon bottle of wine date on the Upper West Side. And he immediately asked me home. And I said no. And then I went to babysit. It was a weird juxtaposition of things that happened. And while I was babysitting, he texted me that he was a dom and that he wanted to have sex with me. And he presented this scenario. Okay. And me in my like early 20s brain was like, maybe I'm into this. Like, maybe. Yeah, like, is this. I don't. I'm new. Maybe, I, is right, this, right, right, like, right. Could this be is my this thing? Normal? Is this like what it is that like somebody's like proposing this like dom sub relationship immediately? You know. And I was a little bit adventurous, so I sort of started engaging with this guy. And oh my god, Brian, I talked myself into losing my virginity to this guy. Whoa! <laughs> I know. I like. I didn't have sex with this guy. This is not where the story even really this is just the beginning of the beginning of the story but i like wrote down i like researched dom sub relationships i like made a whole list of like what (laughs) i would do and what i wouldn't do i was like light choking okay but like not any sort of like i went down the rabbit hole man i like and (laughs) i texted him that i wanted to like hook up and he ghosted me And I had done all of this work to, like, prepare my heart for this encounter that I would have regretted. Like, it it would not have Yeah, you were, like, you, like, got emotionally and mentally ready for this thing that is definitely not the thing you wanted. (laughs) But you were, like, maybe this is it. I should do this. And I just remember, like, he ghosted me and I was devastated and then so relieved, you know, when that happens. Like, I'm so glad that you rejected me. But I went to, at the time, I was also going to this, like, ballet class on the Upper East Side that was with, like, five old women um, and me. And I remember, like, going to that ballet class and looking at myself in the mirror and looking at my, like, gorgeous curvy body in that mirror and doing these ballet moves and just thinking, like, Lily, you're so beautiful. Like, you can want what you want. Yeah. So so was there, I guess, like, was there a part of you... That was kind of like, this is all I can get. It was like that exactly. part of a thing in your head at the time. Exactly. There was like a story that was brewing or like that had already sort of um, a story that I didn't get to want what I wanted, that I wasn't going to get what I wanted. And that story, I wasn't aware of it yet and how it was affecting my behavior, but it was already like under the surface, you know? Yeah. And how old were you at this time? 23. Okay. So yeah, you're like five six years since that like high school relationship right. and you're and you're just sort of like I don't one I'm not exactly sure what I want but two I don't know how to get it and three right. I don't know like who I am right 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 it's 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 a clusterfuck of all of those things so um so cut to that ends you know thank god and I'm still swiping on bumble and I come across this guy and my coworkers slash roommates at church are like you should go out with him like he looks cute <laughs> like he's a midwest guy like you should go out with him so this is the beginning of the most serious adult relationship in my life before I met Chris um and I went out with this guy I'll call him Let's call him Steve, like Sex in the City. So you go out with Steve. I go out with Steve, and we, just like Lily, series of bad decisions, we get really drunk. Like four glasses of wine, and we get really drunk. At first, I'm not into him, but then I decide that I am. It's sort of the same thing of like, I don't know if this is normal, but I'm going with it, right? Yeah. And then Steve and I began this like really roller coaster romance in this in the summertime, and we fall deeply in love. Week two, we say, I love you. 
Um, yeah. There's no, like, to me, there's no red flag. Like, he meets everything on my checklist. Like, he's really intelligent. He's caring. Uh, he's he's nice seeming. And the bar was pretty low. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like, again, you're, you don't know what your bar is yet, right? Like, you're just kind of like... Oh, this is because you're this is like literally your second ever Bumble date or whatever, like the second person you've met. And the first person bought you, got you wine and then said, do you want to get in a part of a dom sub relationship? Right, right, right. (laughs) And like, Lily, what are you doing? You don't like you don't know what you're doing, but you're engaging all this. You know, thank God I was safe because I think I was just sort of being a little reckless. Yeah, well, there's that. I guess it's like again, you're you're in New York. You're new to the city. You want to embrace this world that you're living in and say yes to things. But you're also, yeah, I guess you're you're not so much thinking about like what do I need, and I'm just kind of like taking these opportunities, right? Right. And and by the way, I come from parents who right they they separated when I was 16 and then got back together, and they had been on rocky footing ever since then for now a decade. Um, and so I came from a relationship that was sort of um, not healthy, right, as my example, um, as a lot of people do. And I also came from the South where women are engaged by 20 or 21. Yeah, Yeah, there's an expectation probably that's like in your head, even if it's not like, I don't know if I want this, but everyone else around me wants this and is getting this. Exactly. So I think I still had some of the Southern pressure underlying my actions. I was like, I'm too old to not have had sex. I'm too old to not have had a serious relationship, even though my logical brain was a feminist and also was like, Lily, you do you, you know, you're figuring it out, right? Logical brain, emotional brain, doing different things. Um, So Steve and I fall madly in love two weeks in um, and it, it is going to be a long distance relationship because he goes to grad school outside of New York. And okay. so we're like talking about this and we're like we're like m- m- walking through like, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to be in a relationship? And this was July. And in August, he at the end of August, he was going to leave. And I also had been this is going to sound like a left turn. My friend was getting married in Amsterdam in August. And so I was like, I want to go to this wedding in Amsterdam, but I don't have anybody to go with. And so I remember Steve and I went to Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway one night. And I just thought, like, what if I asked him to go to Europe with me? And so I was sitting there in act one, palm sweating, flop sweating, like so nervous because I knew at intermission I was going to ask this guy (laughs) to go to Europe with me who I'd only known at that point for three weeks. Oh, man. Yeah, that's early. Yeah. (laughs) You now that I've confirmed it was three weeks at that point. Well, at that point, you've already said I love you. So you're I mean, all bets are off. Oh, and by the way, we skipped over this, but I totally had sex with him week two. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess again, going back to the thing of like that felt like enough of an emotional connection for where you're sure. like, yeah, this is I'm like ready for this. For sure. So, so I had lost my virginity. I was like, let's move on to going to Europe together, man. Like I'm ready. Yeah, you're just going through like the checklist of maybe like a 2-year relationship <laughs> in 2 weeks. <laughs> right. like, and and here we are at another theme of Lily and her checklist, right? Like I thought that Steve was on my checklist. I thought that like check 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 you you fit all the boxes. I thought that Steve like I thought that I I was ready to have sex and I I did and it was you know fine uh un, 
pretty fine you know not negative yeah yeah yeah. it's like i guess there's like that expectations game that everyone's playing and first time having sex and you're like okay great this happened right right i don't look back on it with like this like magical lens you know I, i think it it was safe and uh and it happened you know so moving on um i ask so it's intermission and i look over at him and i'm like steve will you go to europe with me next month my friend's getting married i want to go do you want to go with me and he i could tell like he got really excited too he was like it was it was so beautiful being met in my like grandiose visions of what a relationship could be Right. Like it was so cool to be met in like someone willing to say I love you to me as well at two weeks, someone willing to like. So he was actively like proving some of my preconceived notions wrong, which was cool. Yeah. And I guess it's it's again, it's like there. I, and this is something I talk to people a lot in this podcast about. But it's so nice when you have somebody who likes you as much as you like that, like the, yes. to get that response is is very charming when you're looking for that, when that's what you're ready for. Right. And And somebody is there to say, yes, 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 yes. And you're like, great. And my whole life, like my high school boyfriend broke up with me, like citing, you're too much for me, right? Like he was like, I need to break up with you because you're too much. And so, and my mom, I love my mother and, you know, maybe she'll listen to this podcast. She loves being in my business. But um, my mom told me at age like 11 that, I would have a difficult time, you know, quote, finding a husband because my personality was too strong. And so I and that story was just affirmed and affirmed and affirmed. It was sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So you always have this thing in your head of like, be less, be less. Like, don't. Yeah. Don't let every every part of your personality out right Right. away. Like, don't. You're going to scare people away. Totally. And by the way, there's also the Southern like drone underneath of that, yeah. of the, the hum of like, you're too much, like be less. Like my cousin before my first date ever was like, Lily, boys like girls who were jovial. You need to be more jovial to be attractive, you know, like whatever. So, OK, cut. To, we're still at Fiddler on the Roof. I look at Steve. I'm like, let's go to Europe. He says yes. OK. Yeah. So we we fucking go to go to Amsterdam together. <laughs> And then, so we spend like a night in Amsterdam because he didn't come to the wedding. He came later, which should have been a sign of things to come. Okay. So he didn't want to come to the actual wedding. He just oh, okay. To... He was like, I'll come hang out with you in, right. in Amsterdam, in Europe, but I'm not yeah. going to go to this wedding. So uh, so I was like, oh, odd, interesting, cool. Let's, let's go to Amsterdam. Then we fly to Paris, right? So I have these visions based on what our conversations have been of monogamous relationship that is long distance. We love each other. We're going to make it work. First night in Paris, we're, I, I'm sitting at this cafe. And like, if you can imagine just like the sparkliest energy is just emitting from me. I'm like in Paris with my new love. And it's so exciting and like cool. And he does not look that sparkly. He looks like flop sweaty. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? man like and he was like lily i have to tell you something i cannot be in a monogamous relationship i actually can't date one person i need to date like a lot of people and so if you're cool with that that's what i want and that was man. night that was night 1 in paris right we still have 5 nights to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like 
I guess it's like, this is so funny. Like the first thing I thought of is like looking back to that first Bumble guy. It's like, you would have much rather him said this after date one than when you're in Paris together. Right. Like right. we, uh, the trip is on the credit card already. Right. Like the, the, the debt has been done. Um, and so now I'm in Paris with this guy who wants an open relationship. And that was never something I had ever wanted yeah. for myself. And I also had a lot of hopes that were sort of crushed by his desire to be in an open relationship. And very similar to Bumble Guy, I started to do the mental jumping jacks of like, what if I could be in an open relationship with this person? And so we went through the trip. I remember it being just sort of like arduous and like there was an, a thumping underneath of like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're sort of lying to ourselves by having this good time in Paris. And like, you know, so um, we get back to the States and I very in a very difficult way decide that I'm going to be in an open relationship with this guy who I'm in love with still. And that begins the most toxic relationship I've ever had. Um, yeah. And you're what? Two months in or whatever. At two this months point. in. Yeah. Yeah. And I I fully whole hog committed and I'm like, I'm going to have a Bumble profile and date him. And and I don't really know what to say about this part in the story that spanned about nine months of long distance and lack of communication and openness. And, you know, like I would book a trip to go see him, which he didn't really seem to be into, but he'd say he was. And I'd show up and he like would be like unhappy to see me like I'd be at the airport and he was like he was like begrudgingly picking me up yeah where where you're now like okay well this was supposed to be an open relationship where we're still like in this loving thing together and there's other stuff but I'm not even feeling right well and I had done part that this relationship was supposed to have very much like me I'd done a lot of research on like what are healthy loving open relationships and like there's a primary partner and there's like secondary you know I'd done all this research and I was like but wait I feel like I'm supposed to be your primary like what's going on yeah like you've you've learned way more than it feels like he even thought this through where now like you're out You're right. outdoing him on this open right. relationship. I could write because... a fucking book about how people could do open relationships well because I've done all this research. <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't want it, but I'm here yeah. because I yeah. like I don't think that again, I don't think that I can actually get what I want. There's this like underlying story. And so I remember like having to and this is the part of the story that like is pretty intimate, but I'll share it here. Um I remember like using sex as a way to feel any sort of connection. And like, it sucked, you know, like it sucked. Yeah. Cause you really just wanted that some kind of, if he's not showing it with you with picking up at the airport and looking happy to see you in your head, you're like, well, we're connecting physically and that's love, like showing love in some kind of way or some kind right. of like, I want you because I'm not showing it in my other actions. Yeah. I had to sort of like disconnect from myself and what I actually wanted. And I remember I tell this story a lot in my coaching practice of like I was crying on his apartment floor on one of those trips. And then 15 minutes later, I had to take a call with, for my job, which while all this is happening, I'm a matchmaker Right. While I'm at the church. So I'll back up a little bit. I'm at the church. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you get from church to match? I totally like skipped over this whole part. (laughs) 
I was at the church. I was had five side jobs and I was like, I need another side job. And a friend of mine was a matchmaker at a national firm as like a side hustle. And she was like, you'd be good at this. You're emotionally intelligent. And so I became a matchmaker. And throughout this whole period, right, going to Europe, being long distance for a long time, like that was uh, an interesting juxtaposition. So when I was at Steve's house, I would be like crying on his apartment floor and 15 minutes later would take a call with a client and be like, you deserve so much better. Like, let's get you out on some great dates. Right. So and and how and I guess it's like, obviously, it's clear now. But at the time, like, how clear is it that you're saying these things to these women or or men or like whoever? And you're just like oh, I am giving them advice and I am not taking my own advice in this scenario that I'm in right now. Right. I think that there was a, I I think people will hopefully be able to resonate with this. When you, when I, I was in love with this person and I was in crisis because I was in love with a person who didn't love me or like who didn't express love to me at all. Yeah. And so I was in crisis. And I think when you're in crisis, you are not necessarily like I was surviving. I didn't have the emotional capacity to process the juxtaposition of those two things. Like it was just too overwhelming. Yeah. And and I, I started to process it when... Um, my friends started being honest with me about what they thought. And so it all came to a head when it was another summer, right? We've, we've eclipsed a year and he comes back to the city to li- he lives in the city in the summers. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, this is the time where we can be in person. Our relationship can get back on track. Yeah, every so everything's coming back. You're like, yes, we get to go back to last to summer to when everything last... was the best. Oh my God, everything was the best. You were so great. You were so loving and like all these things. And we're going to go back to that, right? And so uh, I won't speak to his motivations or like what he was going through because it's it's none of my business anymore but like he was going through his his own life struggles and because of his going through his own life struggles he sort of started to shut me out of his life even more or that at least that's what he told me and one day I was in a therapy session it was um early June or late May um I was in a therapy session I get out of my therapy session my parents text me And they say, please call us. And the pit of my stomach sinks because I'm like, okay, I know what's happening. Like my body knew what was happening before my brain did. And I called them and they said, we're getting a divorce. And this was after 30 years of marriage. And and there was that separation when they were sick when I was 16. So it had been 10 years. And um, so they were getting a divorce. And I remember, like, the first thing I said was, I told you so. Um, (laughs) And then was just, like, sobbing and just, like, the – it was very traumatic um, because of a lot of reasons that we don't have time to get into. But it's it's hard because you have this conception of, like, your family unit. And even if it's not super peaceful, you you have your family unit and you have your home to go back to. And then suddenly that – all didn't exist any like none of that really existed anymore like none of the home none of the none of the one place none of the you know and and so i was on 57th and broadway when that happened and when i got the call and then i walked to central park and i call steve who's in town 
And I tell him, I'm sobbing. I'm like, my parents are getting a divorce and they just told me, can you please come and be with me? And Brian, his response was, actually, I have plans with friends tonight and I can't get out of them. Oh, man. Like, yeah, this is like of all the times that I need a partner. And that was even more devastating. It was like divorce. This guy I call my boyfriend not showing up. And I call my friend Jessie, who's a, a, a saint. She drops everything. She comes down to Central Park. We get wine together. We cry together. She And she says, like, I'm really disappointed that Steve didn't come. Like, why? And I was like, that was starting to give me yeah. the idea that, like, giving me the permission to actually want what I wanted. Because up until that moment, I was like, maybe I'm still too much. Maybe I still want too much. Maybe I'm asking for too much. And that was sort of underneath all of my actions until that moment where I was like, and I, I left a message on his voicemail and I, I stood up for myself for the first time. And what was difficult about the next moment is that he sort of like, he, he said all the right things. He like validated my concern. He was like, I was wrong to not come. I really want to be in this with you. So he was giving me the, the verbal affirmation. And so we continued and uh, it, we continued and it was m- like two months of just drips and drabs of contact, drips and drabs, like no, we, we saw each other maybe once every other week and I still considered him my boyfriend and like I still had all these hopes for us. And yeah, and it's at the time when you could be spending multiple times a week together because you're both in the same city, that kind right. of thing. And I don't, I've never shared this whole story publicly just because like I feel embarrassed Right. Yeah. That I like put up with so little. Yeah. There's that moment of like, oh, yeah, I feel foolish. Right. Like I feel embarrassed. I feel like I because looking back, it's so clear that like, yeah, this was not healthy. And it's totally. Yeah. As you said, in the moment, you're just kind of dealing with this trauma of a thing that you can't think about anything else because it's just happening and you're just right. kind of dealing with it. Right. So at the time that Steve and I were sort of like that, that things were sort of becoming clear to me that about what this was and what it was not going to be. We were still technically in a relationship. Um, but I started to come into my own understanding of like what I actually wanted and started to gain that, that feeling of started to gain that feeling of agency just by here, like listening to my friends say that I deserved more. And then also like, I was done crying every night. Like I was just, I had been crying every night for a year and I, I just started to become done with it. You know, you're, when you're starting to become done with something. And, um, and so I was, I was hanging out with, it was June 24th. I was hanging out with, um, some friends. They invited me to this guy's birthday party who they were friends with. I didn't know this guy. And I, go up to this rooftop and it's his birthday party and this guy's name is Chris and I don't know him I'm like hey Chris what's up happy birthday I hang out that that was fine whatever unremarkable July 4th rolls around Steve and I are you know the same and July 4th rolls around I go to the same rooftop uh Chris is there and uh at the end of I was about to leave the rooftop How many times can I say the word rooftop? And Chris comes up to me and he's like, hey, it's a shame that you have a boyfriend because I want to sex you up. 
Man, what a bold, what a bold move. What a bold and corny ass move. Yeah, like so the the worst the worst phrasing. And of that, I but. see him, I see in his eye that there's like a twinkle, and he thinks that he's fucking with me. Like he thinks that I'm gonna like cower in the face of that bold statement. And yeah, that so I was just gonna, <laughs> he thought that was, that was gonna, gonna mess me up, right? He thought that I was gonna be like, oh, you know, like that's <laughs> shut up, you know. Instead, I look at him and I'm like, well. I'm in an open relationship, so why don't we go downstairs and bang it out right now? And he just <laughs> looks at me and he's like, <laughs> like he freaks out. And yeah, he's like, like you really threw him. <laughs> I really threw him, man. And he like freaked out. He's like, oh, it's good to it's good to see you. And um, and later on, I found out he had told his friend before he walked up to me. He was like, watch this. <laughs> to his friend so his friend could like be impressed or whatever yeah. and then I like I I maybe made the <laughs> best comeback that, of all time won I won little, that exchange uh, yeah. right so Chris became this person in my life who I knew had a crush on me and who I started to think about as like an interesting person um, but I was resistant to it because I feel like I was like this relationship with Steve really fucked me up and it's not even over <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm still in it. <laughs> I'm still in it. And so um, cut to August, I, I sing and I was singing in a cabaret. And uh, I, I had invited all of my friends, including Steve and um, Chris and our friend Kate show up and they sit in the front row and they bring flowers for me. And it's so overwhelmingly kind and so generous. And then Steve shows up like late and uh, doesn't make a reservation. So he's like frantically texting me like, I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if I want to be here. And then 10 minutes into the show, I'm about to go on stage and he walks, but this is Steve, walks back to the back of the room where I am, kneels down and is like, I'm actually going to go because this isn't a good place for me right now. I need to go. And I was like, can you stay for the song that I'm going to sing? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll stand in the back. And then after the song, I kiss him, which still haunts me. And he leaves, and that's the last time I ever saw him. Whoa. He did not pay his bill. I got a text from my friend who was sitting next to him. He was like, is he in the bathroom? And I, so I, like, collected $40 in cash bills from my roommates and, like, put them down for him and I Venmo requested him for the $40. And then we got on the phone for a 15-minute conversation in which I was like, why did you – it felt like you you told me that you wanted – it was just so confusing. And I was just like, what happened? Why, why? And he just goes, I don't think that we should ask each other questions. I think we should just part ways. And it was just such an unceremonious and giant in my head ending to this – terrible relationship of my first like adult love and I was devastated but also relieved like when Bumble Guy rejected me very swiftly yeah um devastated and also relieved and I also then went to Jesse's house and um Jesse the woman who dropped everything to come to me after my parents got a divorce and I went to her house and while I was at her house she was making me dinner what a dreamboat um making my dinner and I get a text from Chris and I was like, what is he doing? And he just texted and is like, Hey, call me sometime. I'd love to talk. And 
I said in that moment, I to Jesse, I know that I can't, I don't want to date anybody right now because this is just too soon and too crazy. But my body knows that I'm going to be in a serious relationship with this person. And I don't know why, but I have this feeling that I'm going to be in a serious relationship with him. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I sort of was like, Chris, like, not now, you know, like, let's, let's pick this up in a few months. And I left her house and I, I looked around my life and I was like, what am I going to do about my, my love life? What is the, what is the solution here? Right. I looked at my therapist. My therapist didn't know what to tell me about my dating life. She was like, I haven't dated in 30 <laughs> years. Right. I, my my parents didn't know what to say. My friends would just tell me, like, you know, of course, break up with them. But then what? Like, play the numbers game. Let me swipe for you. Like, they didn't know what they were doing. And then I looked at matchmaking, which was this like very, you know, she she expensive experience. And un- even though I was like still the one of the most successful at the company, Hooray. Um, I looked around and I saw that only 5%, if that, of people were finding long-term love through matchmaking. And then 95% of people in matchmaking would leave with this promise of, we'll find you a relationship, but then leave feeling even more disheartened and frustrated, like I felt. Yeah. Yeah. So even though you're like, oh, I'm doing well at this, it's not actually working. Yeah, right. And I wanted... I wanted something extraordinary, like through the process of experiencing that terrible relationship and experiencing so little, I got to know, I got to know what I was missing. And that was a gift, right? Because I had, I had seen how my story of I'm too much had affected the way that I was able to accept less and I wanted more. And so I was like, I was at this like reckoning point. And I wanted more. And I wanted more not for only for myself, but for these hundreds of women now that I'd worked with over the years who I was so distraught, like had paid all this money and still felt this shitty about their dating lives. Um, so I started to like dream up what now is my company, Date Brazen, because I was done accepting less. And I was done believing that I was too much to find what I wanted. And so I came to this point of like, I believe uh, believing that if you believe I'm too much, then then you're not enough for me. And so I started to dig beneath the surface of what I said my checklist was, and started to sort of like look or take inventory of what I had learned from my relationship with Steve in terms of what I wanted, what I didn't want, take inventory from my high school relationship, like do some more like intentional reflecting than just talking about it and and do some more intentional reflecting than just like the rote answer that I had when anybody asked me, you know, what I wanted a person. Yeah, it's essentially like raising your expectations and hoping that people are going to meet those like right. You're like you're like, I am raising my expectations of what I'm looking for and what I want in a relationship and a person, but also like, yeah, what I think people can find in the world. Right. While this was going on, I was still single and I was dreaming up Date Brazen and I started, you know, hanging out with Chris in groups 
And this is where it gets a little woo woo um, uh, because I started to like hang out with him. And then I started to have dreams about him being my partner and like would wake up with the sun shining on my face. It was like two nights in a row of like sunshine on face in the morning dreams about this person that I didn't really know. Like all the interactions that I've shared with you about me and Chris are all that we'd had. Yeah, you've had these like fun little moments together, but it's not anything that would be considered like this close friendship or anything or no like, and it was like it was like a rom-com of a of interactions you know when you watch a rom-com yeah, and you're your, like you're just seeing the montage but that's right. literally the only interactions <laughs> right right so and after those dreams i was like that was weird and then i was in his house with his roommates and him and we were all like chatting and he just goes well i'm not gonna meet the mother of my children on tinder and brian i kid you not my body says to me no because you're the mother of his children and that was the craziest moment in all of this i think and then the next day i asked him to oh so you were so that was like you had that moment of like i want to be with this person i i think that i not only do i want to be with this person i have a feeling that like this is the person and i don't know why that is a feeling and i'm gonna experiment with this feeling um it wasn't like our first date was like, you're mine forever. We did, yeah. you know, we took it slower than yeah, you didn't have that like two weeks saying I love you and then going abroad for a wedding a month after. Like right, the, the right. timeline was a little different. But your your again, your mindset, I guess, was like in a place to say like, yeah, this is the thing that I want to make work. Right. Right. So um, Chris and I began our relationship and and it wasn't like I was still very much wounded from my relationship with Steve. I had a lot yeah, of stuff Yeah, I was going to work. ask how long, how much time had it been since that, like, he not walked out Not very long. Yeah. Like, only a few months. And I, I honestly did not want to be in a relationship so soon after. Um, but I, I was starting to get into the practice of listening to my intuition, and my intuition was just telling me to go for it. And it was really messy. And I talked about my ex way too much in the beginning of my relationship with Chris. And it was, was again, messy. And we also figured it out. You know, it was like, I, we've been together now three years almost. And, um, and it took time and patience. And I eventually like, you know, came to the healing point where I wasn't thinking about it anymore and just had absorbed the learnings from it. And it's always ongoing, of course. But um, Chris really has been the biggest, biggest um, supporter and cheerleader in building my business. And he's been there through everything because I literally, we got together in November of 2017 and I started Date Brazen in February of 2018. And so he's been there from the beginning of creating this company that I've now gotten to work with like hundreds of women around the world. It's so cool. And Chris has been there every step of the way. Yeah. So you found this like amazing partner and then kind of like jumped off into the deep end of this world of like, I'm going to try to start my own business and leave all this consistent stuff I was having in my life to try to make this thing work. Yeah. I mean, and it took it took a year and a half of having still four jobs and date brazen, um, yeah. uh, which is a messy reality of like starting your own company. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> um, but then once once like the once brazen breakthrough, my coaching experience was built and people were experiencing it and getting results. I said goodbye to all of the side jobs and I ended up breaking up with matchmaking to pursue date coaching full time because I saw the results and I saw that um, women were feeling not only finding 
better dates than they thought possible and finding themselves in relationship, which I don't think that relationship, I think relationship is awesome. I don't think it's the gold standard of female existence or human existence. Um, Dating is a microcosm. I really believe that dating matters to our overall well-being because the way we date and the way we're able to show up for ourselves, like I said, set boundaries, know what we want, know how to communicate what we want, like that applies to everything how we do work, how we do our friendships and uh, everything in between. And so the women that I get to work with, like when we work on their dating lives, their whole lives can transform like mine did, you know, like my whole life transformed when I was done accepting less and had a framework for accepting more. Yeah, uh, that's was great. Thank you so much for sharing all that. It was it was nice to hear both your your personal success and your professional success kind of all find each other at the same time and end up where you are today. Thanks so much. I, I appreciate you listening and giving me a chance to share. Yeah. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do, uh, where can they find you online or on social media or anything like that? Yeah. So you can find me on my website at datebrazen.com. B-R-A-Z-E-N, like the brazen woman spoke out of turn. Love that. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at datebrazen. Cool. Yeah. And you have a podcast and the website and all that stuff. Yeah. I have a, a podcast called the Date Brazen Podcast. It's a weekly dose of joy, dating joy in your uh, in your life with some tactical, actionable strategies so that you can um, start to build a badass dating life that leads to amazing dates and relationships. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much again for sharing all this. Thank you for having me. This is how we love, this is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs>